Well, there you have another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. I met this U.S. Marine veteran two and a half years ago in San Antonio. He's talented. He's authentic. He's passionate. He's going to live for a thousand years. And he is out to change the world to bring awareness to post-traumatic stress and suicide. He's a guy that makes things happen. His name is John Preston. And thank you for listening to another episode of our podcast. Your steely-eyed killer shadow in the night You were born to fight You gotta light them up My name is John Krotek, and I want to welcome you to Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic, we're empowering, we're American. Our veteran guest for this episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, Audio Medicine by Green Zone Hero, is a United States Marine Corps veteran whom I met a little over two and a half years ago in San Antonio. His name is John Preston. John's a busy guy. It was interesting because I saw John a couple months later in Dallas, so it seemed like even though he's a West Coast guy, I'm an East Coast guy. We met twice in the great state of Texas, so it was pretty cool. But like I said, John's busy. He's a combat veteran, a Palo Alto firefighter, and a Concord Entertainment Universal Music Group recording artist. John is... John actually named this radio show. He was wearing a grunt-style t-shirt, and we were down at the Riverwalk in San Antonio, and I was looking at the shirt straight out of combat... He was looking at me. I'm looking at him. We're on the street corner. I said, that would be a great name for a radio show. And he says, you got to do it. And we did. So here we are two and a half years later. John is really known for his compassion. It's in his music. And it's also in the place that he works at the Palo Alto Fire Department. He's a member of the Critical Incident Stress Debriefing Team. And he brings to his department a different look than ever seen before. Not only because he himself was a combat veteran, but because he's also a national advocate for veteran PTSD and suicide. John has used music as an outlet to reach millions and save the lives of veterans across the nation. John's single reached number, well, it was actually a pretty recent single, reached number 13 in the DRT, which is the digital radio tracking rock charts above Metallica, the Foo Fighters, and Imagine Dragons. The song Before I Am Gone focused on veteran suicide and its video was sent in such places as Macy's, Bloomingdale's, and TV shows throughout the United States. We also did a video or used that video, pieces of it, and this song for our own Strata Combat Radio video. John's story has been featured in People.com, Huffington Post, CNN, and many more major media outlets across the world. John's life mission is dedicated to both saving lives in the field as a Palo Alto firefighter and reaching, altering, and saving the lives of troubled American veterans. John has donated all funds from his last two releases to various veteran nonprofits. John is currently working on a documentary film project, we're going to talk more about that, called 22 and You, 
And uh, it's going to be absolutely incredible to raise funds and awareness for people suffering from what we just talked about, PTSD and thoughts of suicide. So, John, thank you for being on the show. Uh, how are things out in California? Oh, it's great. Hey, I love you. Always give me credit for the name of this show. And I, I, I wore a T-shirt that day. You know, let's <laughs> come on, man. But <laughs> let's be but, real. I wore a T-shirt that day if, and you had a sparking idea. And this is what I tell everyone. Right. And, and you know it because of the field you work in and things you do. When those ideas come through, don't let them all sit there, you know, jump on it. And, and you had an idea and you jumped on it, and, and that's that's why we're talking today, right? Because something sparked on a T-shirt that I was wearing, and boom, we're here, and you have this awesome show that's getting tons of listens and 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 spreading out now your message to the entire world, you know. So, well, uh, I may have wore the cool yeah. shirt, but it was definitely it was a cool shirt, you know. Your but, brain, you but know? I love your favorite word, which is three letters: Y E S. Yes, and I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that, and thank you for that, John, because. If you had been wearing a Simpsons shirt, this could be the Simpson podcast show. So, yeah, the idea comes, but I'm just grateful that I met you that day and we were able to, to forge this friendship. And uh, I'm so inspired. Uh, the video that I just described before I'm gone is so hard hitting. Of course, Superman Falls is another one of your great tunes. And that video, man, I mean, it's deep, it's relevant, and it, it has helped people uh, across the country and probably the world. So thank you. Um, let's, you know, before we get to 22 and you, we want to talk about that, but tell us about childhood, a little bit about your mentors and how you even made it to the Marine Corps. Um, you know, life in general has been an interesting ride. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a small town in Kentucky. I, I never thought that there was much beyond the Marine Corps. Like basically my entire family were Marines. My father was a Vietnam veteran and a Marine. Um, all of us one termers, right? <laughs> but my father, Vietnam veteran Marine, my, my oldest brother, a Marine, my, my next brother after that, a Marine, I, I didn't have much of a choice. Um, I tell the story sometimes of, I, I told my middle brother, uh, who's kind of like the tough guy of the group, you know, he's the bully. Um, I told him I was going to go in the Air Force. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, totally got, I totally got my ass kicked. And, like, <laughs> um, they, probably the worst beating I had taken at that point in life. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I decided, okay, Marine Corps it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history at, at that point. I, I grew up you know, idolizing my father. He, he was a great man. He you know, it, it, just like all of us had our own vices and our own issues, and he had struggled through, you know, post-traumatic stress with Vietnam, which at that time, um, there wasn't a word for it. There wasn't something that explained what he's going through. But as a child, I watched that and and knew that there was something there, right? But he worked multiple jobs to make sure that we had the life we wanted. When I was a kid... Um, I was probably around the age of my son right now, close to 10 years old, I think. I, I believe it was between fourth and fifth grade. My father was hit head-on by a drunk driver. <sighs> this it wasn't head-to-head -head collision, which is usually the killers, right? It was this vehicle in a turn going at a good amount of speed hit the door of my father's truck. It was truck-to-truck to, truck to a full-size Chevy and a, and a Ford F-150 
and it blew through the door and rolled the truck. My father had a massive trauma. It, it was everything but head injury, right? Mm. Uh, broken and shattered bones in his uh, his arms, broken and shattered bones in his legs. He was a snapped femur, so he was bleeding internally. A snapped pelvic, so he's bleeding internally. Probably, and I didn't know it in the beginning, but probably what inspired me to be a firefighter because those guys cut my father out of the car and saved his life. Yeah. Then ultimately this man who was, I was idolizing at this point and, and my father was a war hero and my father was, you know, amazing to me. And now he's in a hospital bed and now he's tubed because they had to do so many surgeries. And now he's this robot uh, held up by, I remember just all the trinkets and things. The one time I went to the hospital when he was still in the ICU because they took me to say goodbye. Yeah. My father pulled out of that, <laughs> you know, and, and he came out of that. And I probably learned everything that I am today from that period of life because I watched a man that couldn't walk. I watched a man that had metal in his legs that wasn't, you know, a complete man anymore. And I watched him learn to stand up again and I watched him learn to walk again. It, it was incredible, right? Yeah. I, to see someone and I'm at this point, I don't even really understand what's going on. And I'm not, you know, I'm ashamed, you know, I'm ashamed because my father can't walk. My father's not strong. He's not, you know, where I come from, you know, the stronger you are, the tougher you are, the more fights that you win, the badder you are. Right. So I'm ashamed because this man isn't this tough, strong man anymore, you know? And, but I had no idea the strength that I was watching and, and what I was watching happen. So basically, I watched this my my hero turn into a real hero, right? And, and and walk again. And within a year and a half, and it took him a year to walk from the accident to to actually taking his first steps. And within a year and a half, was back to commuting an hour and a half to get to work to to work to work for his family. And, and to make sure that we had food on the table and make sure that our life was back intact. You know, and, and I learned generosity then because it, it, obviously he was hit head on. He got a lawsuit with the insurance. So he had enough money to do a little bit, right? Because I was raised very poor. He had enough money to go out and do things. And, and he didn't do anything selfish and he didn't do anything for himself or my mother. He bought my brothers and I things and he brought his own brothers in and his family in to to do projects on the house and work so that they got paid. So he took this treasure that he was given from his own trauma and abuse in life and he gave it away to his family. You know, so I, I learned who I was. You know, it, it's amazing how those challenges and those, like you just said, you know, you, you felt ashamed, but at the time you were learning lessons that have, you know, stayed with you and stuck with you until today. And it, it is who I am today. Right. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is, uh, like I, I didn't plan on talking about that today. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know we were going there today. No, it's <laughs> and, all good, man. Because I thank you for went, sharing and, that. And I'm that, happy it went there because it, it's a reminder to me and especially with what I'm doing right now and where we're at right now. Yeah. It's a reminder to me uh, of how hard, you know, life can be and, and how hard we have to work to make it better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, so you witnessed your dad rebuild his life after such a horrific accident. And then, you know, I know you're West coast, but you went to, you went to Paris Island, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up yeah, in Kentucky. Kentucky. East of the Mississippi. Yeah. So, yeah, I went to Paris Island. Uh, there, there was – in reality, I probably wasn't going in the Air Force. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know that. It's a great joke. Though. It's a great story because it's real. But, Nothing but, wrong with the Air Force. You're just a Marine. I, There's a I, difference. My buddy, my best friend, was going in the Air Force. I was like, dude, this looks great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I got gotcha. you. You mean they make your bed for you? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, um, we, could, we could go there. That could be a whole other show. But. Yeah. So ultimately, <laughs> I – I wanted to make my father proud. You know, this man was like the top of the world to me. And both of my brothers had accomplished. And I was the baby, man. I was the baby. I was the smallest. I was the mentally, we could call it weakest, right? But I was just more emotionally in tune than everyone else, right? Yeah. But. Well, that's in your music. You can definitely tell for sure. So I'm a different person. And I kind of wear my heart on my shoulder and, uh, you know, so I have to prove myself and, you know, I, I got every opportunity to do that. Right. Cause I don't just prove myself in going into the Marine Corps. I turned out being the only combat veteran of the Suns, you know, and it, the only sergeant of the Suns, the only, <laughs> so I was like, I get it now, you know? So unfortunately that peacocking affected my life later. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, at that point, that that was where I was at, you know, and and that was the the influences following my influences. Music was kind of a different world. It's always been a different world, and and we've kind of just tied them together, you know, and and, and knowing that we can bring effective change with just the God given talent that I have, you know. Absolutely, and you, exactly, you know, like I was saying, you know, we talked about the video, but the video is hard hitting, and it, it it mixes all of those elements together emotion reality of real subjects like pts and and you know suicide prevention which i know you know we'll talk a little bit about that or a lot about that but mm-hmm. you know the effectiveness of your god-given talent which you just described is you you can't really measure it you know what's out yeah. there working and you know millions of people have heard that one song and watched that video and i can guarantee it there were probably a lot of tears shed and there were probably a lot of old buddies calling each other up just from that one impact of one single song with a powerful freaking video. I get it, man. So, yeah. So you're there, you're there, you know, you're proving yourself the crucible, Paris Island, all the things we hear about the Marine Corps training. You know, was there any one thing in training, John, uh, you know, in basic that you can remember where you just, where it just where things just crystallized that you were be you were becoming a marine. No, you know, dude, I was I was young and dumb and life. I was strong and in shape, right? So going through it, I the only thing I remember specifically that that kind of was like this is real is I remember just every morning for formation because you're getting up before the sun comes out. I don't think I'd ever done that in my life. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. and you're standing outside and they'd, they'd always form us up in front of the pit just in case somebody messed up in the morning. They probably already decided that somebody was going to mess up in the morning. Right. So they would form us up in front of the pit and it, it, occasionally they would pit us like almost every day in, in the morning before breakfast. We'd be covered in dirt when we went in there, you know? So, I remember sitting in those formations and I remember thinking like, man, this is the craziest dream I've ever had, you know, because <laughs> it was real. real. Yeah, it wasn't real, you know, and you're so tired and you're so 
just somewhere else and and you're learning like a new life right my father was a sweet and loving man though he was a killer marine right (laughs) he was a sweet and loving man and, and and like his concept of compassion and all that and now i'm being told in my brain no, 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 no. You kill things. <laughs> yeah, like, so I'm transforming into this new person. And, and I remember like just clearly like going, man, this isn't real. I'm going to wake up, you know, in, in five minutes from now and I'm going to be in Kentucky. I'm going to be home and none of this ever happened. And there's no way I'm going in. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny. I the way you, thinking that. I remember you, and the way you described that, you know, I could even think of moments in my own experience was like, holy crap, this, this isn't real. I'm going to, this is, I'm going to be home in a week or something, you know, but, but it is real. And, it, and the Marine Corps does mold people into new people. And, and that's what you became, you know, when you graduated, who showed up? Uh, my, my family, my father, my, my, uh, who was it? it I, I I know my father, my mother, my brothers, maybe brother, maybe only one of them. The other one was still in and he was in uh, Barstow when I graduated. So one brother and then my father's best friend and my best friend. So it, like, it was a nice group of people that came down when it happened. How were you feeling, man, when that, you know, what was what was going through your head at that time? It was, well, it was real then. Yeah, I remember finishing the Crucible. They hand you the Eagle Globe and Anchor, and I remember standing on the grinder and getting that. And I remember just being like soaked in my own tears and like snot and just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I did it. Yeah, I, I remember that feeling. And I remember the day on the grinder, the comedy of like you're you're going out and you're going into your formation and you're marching around the grinder for the graduation, and you look out like you get that glance when the eyes write you towards the crowd, and you can see the crowd. <laughs> all smacking the sand fleas off of them right right and they're and all you're like, thinking oh god i'm getting bit by something and none of you this entire thousand marines out on the grinder are are reacting to anything right <laughs> you're just like whatever sand fleas eat me it's it's nothing i'm i'm solid now you know like, so i remember that and then i remember getting in the car with my family and immediately going can we get some copenhagen and bud light <laughs> you know, like, i remember that too Nice man. Well, that's pretty cool, man. Congratulations! And uh, but I could I could just visualize the way you say that. You know, they're all and I've heard from Marines that have said the sand fleas in South Carolina will eat you alive. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, it's legit. It, like they talk about the Reaper in their little hill out there on the West Coast, but uh, it, it's nothing like being eaten for you know eighteen weeks straight. <laughs> God, yeah miserable man misery at its best and uh, i guess misery loves company so you know there's a reason for all of that so so you so you go through graduation it's an awesome experience and then how long was it before you deployed or where did you go after that i i was in in 2000 so it, it was it, it's funny my my buddy that's actually gonna is part of 22 and you but we'll get into that later but he just posted something the other day of 9-11 and where we were, because we were out on a range um, when it happened. We were running CACs, and uh, he told his whole story and view of it, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, it's my story. <laughs> yeah. We were just in different – we were actually – he was in Fox Company. I was in Golf Company. 9-11 happened. You know, that's, that's the reality of it. 9-11 happened, and I remember my father telling me, Dude, you're going in in a time where there's going to be war. You need to be prepared for that. You know, you need to know that you're not your brothers. You're not going 
you know, to deploy to Italy in these places, he, you're going to war. And I remember my dad telling me that clearly. And I'm like, whatever, dude. And then 9-11 happened. Yeah. Everybody remembers that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we went, okay, it's not a matter of if, it's when. We deployed to Japan after that. And the entire 7th Marines Regiment, when we kicked off Iraq, or not 7th Marines Regiment, but 1st Mardiv, went to Iraq and we stayed in Japan. <laughs> I didn't go for the initial surge of the, the war because they needed one of our units to stay in the, the whatever, you know, Southeast Asia. Yeah. So we missed that part of the war. And we're at this point where we're thinking, oh, my God, there's a war happening. We're never going to go. And then we got back. We were in mm. garrison for probably two months. And they said, okay, we have this group of people that is not deployed yet. They're ready to go. They have a bunch of senior Marines. They're you know stacked with NCOs. Let's send them. So we ended up getting deployed then. And I actually, at that time, I was already fapped out the base telephone. I only had six months left in the Marine Corps. And they called us and actually gave us a choice do you want to stay back and work the the main side stuff here in the U.S. or do you want to come with us and go to Iraq? And all of us as the NCOs, because we were fapped out getting our, our cushion job, right? Right. We said, yes, we're going to combat. We got to come back, you know? So we all went and and, and did our thing. What'd you see there in Iraq? What, what, what year was that, John? Uh, it was 2004. I was busy. Yeah, I was busy because I raised my hand. Like, I do that on accident <laughs> <laughs> yeah i get it yeah even then when i was dumb and like young strange how that happens didn't really want <laughs> to do anything i always raised my hand to put myself into somewhere where i had to be responsible or heroic you know <laughs> i didn't mean to <laughs> you were, you were probably ran, just pointing at something up you know up in the sky okay preston yeah, let's no, go i was just looking at that there's an airplane no but um no i get it so I turned I turned out uh, being the mission squad leader for two seven H and S. So we had a, a mission squad that ran out um, every day. We were we were security for EOD, security for uh, like for stay platoon. We were security for just random logistic trips out to different bases. I, so we moved, and then we were an infantry squad during uh, our offensive that we actually call Operation Just Kidding, <laughs> because there was a lot of hype and, and not as much fighting as we expected, and that was right before Fallujah happened. We were busy. I, I never lost any of my Marines, but I lost some Marines that were very close to me. Um, we we had skirmishes and IDs blow and things like that, but you know that, that vision of like a, a, a really beautiful... Uh, assault in combat uh, never happened while I was there and 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 in reality probably only happened about five times in the entire 15-year war right yeah where we were able to mechanize a fight because we had a, a an enemy that that poked us with needles as we you know walked across the soft ground and they would stab us in the foot yeah and, and they did that over and over again and it was more uh, deterring than anything um for me, the positive in all of it was we were opening schools. We were, you know, building their community. We were building their military. We were giving them jobs. We were doing all these things that were doing what they wanted to do, which was westernize and become this country that, that had its own power. And unfortunately, I think the biggest hit to me was, what was it, 2011, 2012? No, a little later, when we left Iraq and then ISIS surged, right? 2014, I believe. But it, that... 
to me, all these this time and effort and lives that we put into it were 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 absolutely just left on. You know? What do you think kept you focused the whole time? When I was there, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Yeah, you know, I was 22 years old. Uh, to me, it, it was coming home and you know eating a cheeseburger and doing a chick. You know, like <laughs> whatever, living the American life. Uh, like, uh, and knowing that what we were doing was giving going to give someone else an opportunity to maybe down the road have that kind of freedom. I was driven by the the concept of I'm not going to lose a Marine. You know, I was a leader. I had, you know, anywhere from 15 to 60 Marines under me at one point. It, it was just, I'm not going to lose anyone. I'm not going to, you know, we have to be diligent and focused. And then, you know, it, at times I catch myself complacent and sleeping on patrols. You know, I, you, <laughs> you, you can't help fatigue. You can't help tired and you can't, help getting when you spend two months out of a six month deployment, not being attacked. And then all of a sudden you're attacked. You don't know what to do. You know? I, yeah. So it was like that. There was a lot of ebb and flow and up and down. And, and I don't think that I ever was worried or concerned that I was going to die. I didn't think that, I mean, I kind of heroically said, as I left, if I die for my country, I die for my country, but my goal is to come home. So, mm. I just wanted to move forward. You know, I wanted to rock and roll, dude. Yeah. The good thing is you didn't lose anybody. So, you know, so you came back in 2005. Four still. 2004. Yeah. And so yeah. what was the, the, were you getting out? Was it ETS time or did you go back? And- um, so I had actually reenlisted or not completely. I had filled out the paperwork and it had it on the desk of the reenlistment guy. And I was looking at like doing like an I and I duty kind of thing in Southern California. But I had my first success with music then, and I ended up, uh, I wrote a song called Good Good America while I was over there. We made this video that, like, my buddy was in a comm shop, so I pieced all this stuff together with Windows Media Player back then, you know. And it was just the trashiest crap video you could watch. You could find it if you look good enough on the internet. I have Um, to write that one down. (laughs) But we find that, or we make this, and then we got public press la times wrote a story about it. it it blew up it ended up front paging every newspaper in the country at that time which was a big deal back then oh absolutely so we had a website that a guy in new york made for us while we were there and for just specifically putting the song on you know there was no other reason youtube didn't exist yet and it blew up it like we shut our website down i remember calling new york going Hey, dude, I don't know what you need to do to make this work. Because <laughs> you know? we had, you know, uh, several hundred thousand, I think it was like 600,000 downloads of the video because that's when you had to download it to watch it, right? Right. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. 600,000 downloads of the video in a day or something. It was something crazy. I, I felt and I tasted that success. And and, and because of that, I, I tore up my reenlistment papers and I, you know, got out and was going to be a rock star. Yeah, cool. Well, you know, so what was the, when you transitioned out, did you get any kind of out process or basically you, you were just out? Not then, dude. I, like, we had SEPs and that's like the separation thing where you do a day class or two couple days class or whatever on how to do a resume and, and whatever. It was about the least prepared you could be to to transition into civilian life. But, I mean, that's what the Marine Corps did then. 
I think, and honestly, I think that's why we have so many problems with my generation of Marines, not modern day Marines coming out and not even five years ago combat that's coming out. We're looking at an entire like first wave of combat veterans that when they got out had no guidance on what to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and no transition. And, and a lot of us went in a bad direction. You know, a lot of us went towards uh, addiction or self-medication or whatever, dealing with your own stresses and problems. And, that's why we're where we are today. Yeah, they, that's what I – and I think if you just tick a little off the path, you know, just a tiny bit off the path, if you just lean to the right a little and you walk forever just a little bit off the path, you're going to be way the hell off the path by the time, you know, you look up and you realize there's a problem. Yeah, and uh, we want to get people back in line. We want to get people back in the right direction and, and and keep walking this path with us, you know, yeah. and, and – my generation didn't have good separation process. We didn't have uh, like the knowledge that Marines and soldiers and everybody have now. I mean, there's programs now where they're putting them in school before they even get them out of the military. You know, they're signing them for an extra year so they can educate. Well, even so, like you, you getting out and forging and breaking ground, you know, and all the other Marines and other, you know, armed forces that got out during that time, you know, they basically broke the ground for this newer generation, you know, without yeah. your guys' experience, it, it would probably still be going on. It wouldn't be as good. And who says that it's good, but it's better than it was when you got out. Well, yeah, it's much better. Yeah. It, it's much better. So if you were, you know, looking back on it, John, 15 years later, would you do it all over again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I probably, it depends on the size of the war I'd do it now. You know, like it, it, it doesn't, I, I might be too old at this point. I don't know what uh, like enlisted ages, but regardless, <laughs> I, think, well, I think it's, I don't know, 45, who knows, but I remember, yeah. you know, there were some older guys when I was in, but they weren't that old. But so, so you get out you had this taste of fame, a little bit of fame and, what did you start doing, man? How, did you go directly to the fire department, or did you hang out no, for a no, while? No. I, I signed a record label when I got out. I released a single. It went, <laughs> and then it was a drunk for a while. I, I, I had a couple jobs. I moved out to the Bay Area. I quit playing music. I was done with it, you know. And then ultimately figured out what addiction was because I became a drunk, you know. And um. Yeah. But I was functional. I was good. I was good at being drunk. That's what's scary, right? Because we're good at it. And and if the right people are around enabling you, allowing you to continue to do that, then then there's nothing wrong, right? This is my choice to drink. I'm the one drinking. I'm not being told I need to drink. I'm drinking. It's my choice, you know, and I kept wrecking everything. I, my whole initial run with music probably would have been much better if I wasn't blacking out every night before I was supposed to go in the studio. You know, I, it, it was a transition that I failed because I didn't know how to be an adult because I didn't know what transition meant. And I didn't, you know, have the Marine Corps to tell me where to be, when to be and how to be there anymore. Well, so um, what was the turning point, man? It took years. It took years. I, uh, I guess my son being born, you know, like, when my son was born, I, I said to myself, I have to get a career. You know, I, I have to do something that that'll that'll make you know him proud down the road. I want him to look at me like I look at my father. And and that's when I went after the fire service, you know. And 
I did that in a couple of years. You know, it took a couple of years to get in. It took work and education and uh, internships and everything that you can imagine. But I got in. And then when I got there is the reason I'm doing what I'm, I'm doing now. When I got there in this greatest job on earth that pays great in the Bay Area, that everything you can imagine it could be, you're a rock star riding around in your big red engine, you know, with everybody waving and smiling and you get to help people and you get to, you know, save lives and, and, and do cool adrenaline junkie shit by kicking down doors and, and blowing water all over a burning building, you know, but I still didn't feel complete. And I felt like I was missing something. I had put music down for a very long time. Um, and I knew that was what I had to do, you know? Uh, yeah. So you got, so you got back in the studio, you signed another contract or what, what happened? Yeah. I came up with the idea. (laughs) I read the (laughs) alchemist and, and you know, that we were just talking about with your show, right? Like, I, I used to be afraid to move on ideas and, and I realized that was just how it was raised because I was raised pretty poor where like in that world, the world's against you and you know, you're limited to whatever your mind tells you you're limited to. And that's why you never grow out of that stage. Right. So I learned with the fire service, life is short. A lot of people die, <laughs> you know, mm. a lot of things happen. You got one run do it. You know, you got one run, do it. And I had all these songs and I had all this music and I had all these things. And, and I thought, what if my son's 25 and I die and he never heard any of that? He has no record of that. He, he doesn't know anything about that. What does that say about me and who I am and creating my legacy? And I thought I had a friend that was dealing with post-traumatic stress. I had a friend that was a meth addict. Uh, um, that I was very close to, that I served with in the Marine Corps, that I was roommates with in the Marine Corps. And I wanted to try to fix him, and that's what I did. I, I went at it right then and there. And at that point, not realizing that I was dealing with some major post-traumatic stress myself, and I just was yet to address that. Right. I found that in creating my music. I found that in in moving forward towards these incredible tasks, right? Like, hey, how many people do you know that have charted in the top 200 in the world you know i don't know very many i actually i do because i know I'm one all of them now but um, <laughs> i know one I, I, but before that especially where i'm coming from in a town of warsaw kentucky where we take a job at the steel mill we join the military or we move what we call uptown which is a, a more you know busy town uh to go work in like a, a business world right at a bank or something like that but that is your limitation and that is where you're stuck um and i didn't want to be stuck there so i believe that that greatness is real my father used to tell me that i could do anything i wanted to do that i could you know rule the world if i wanted to rule the world just take it and i never understood what he meant by just take it and i was like how in the hell do i take it what do i do you know and then i realized my thoughts can be reality if I move forward when I think about them, right? If this cool idea comes in my head, I just got to get it. So the talk so and, and move towards it. Yeah. So the song you're talking about is Superman Falls. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Um, 
we're we're not even there. It's crazy. How, how long is this interview? No, we're good, man. No, so so you're you're getting back on track. You're 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 riding around. You know, doing hard work. Fire departments. I mean, you're making it sound all glorified, but it's hard work, man. You know it is, and but it, it is. But it's super self fulfilling. You know. Yeah. Like the 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 gratitude that you get. Like yesterday, I I busted a window in someone's car. And got the most gratitude ever. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> that sounds blew cool. Your out of your car. But their two year old stuck in the back, sweating his butt off. So <laughs> it's cool that I blew that window off. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have time to wait on anyone to bring some more keys. Yeah. yeah I, so there's so much gratitude in that job that unless you beat each other up at work, it, it, it's one of the most self fulfilling jobs I've ever had. You know, beyond what I'm doing in the music industry, it's the most self-fulfilling thing that I think I could ever do. Um, so it is a great job, but it is a lot of work. And, and and what people don't know or understand is for most of my career, I've paid for everything. <laughs> people think, oh, John's releasing through Universal, or it, which announcement on that, my label just signed a deal with Sony. Um, we are changing distribution. We're going from... Universal to Sony, so I'm now technically a Sony artist. Ta-da. That's good. Congratulations, man. <laughs> right? You got to have a drum roll uh, for that. Yeah. I need to get sound effects, but you know, congratulations, man. And that takes hard work. So you know, yeah, you know, the, the humility shines through. I get it. You know, and 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 we we, but it's a good thing to hear because so many people think that oh, John Preston, he's on Easy Street. You know, he's got this glorious job running around town putting out fires and and look at him now he's with sony you know boy what you know he's had it made and you know the reality is bs you didn't have it made you had to earn it and that's no i grinded yeah i mean dude i had paychecks where i was at over 100 hours of overtime yeah you know exactly over 100 hours of overtime so that i could pay for my next music endeavor and and part of that was my fault because i i kept my father's stubbornness so i was afraid to ask people to help yeah like that's a big thing that's changed my life now which is incredible and and creating so much more waves now is is i'm not afraid to say hey this is what i'm doing you guys interested you know no absolutely that's a great i was like i have to create a name first i need to put the work in and i need to put this all on my back so i was my ceo my coo my press agent my everything and i blew through like all these different people that tried to help me because I would outwork them and I would get frustrated with them, right? And I'm like, I'm not working you. I can't work with you. <laughs> yeah, like, so I dealt with all these you know, weird issues because of that, but I kept climbing and I kept building success. When you said my intro, right? I just listened and took that in. For the first time in probably six months, I listened and took that in and thought, oh, my God, dude, I have worked really hard. You have, man. You know, know, it's impressive. I deserve a high five, you know. Like I said, now you just gave me another idea. I've got to get a drum roll thing in here. So yeah, we need a drum roll thing. We need yeah. one. We need a recording. So because I'm announcing all kinds of things, this this thing that's good. <laughs> Wait till we blast this one out, man. Yeah. This is going to make my ratings go up. But yeah, uh, so that's to, cool. To answer your question about Superman Falls, and I don't want to go into this this podcast if that's okay with you. Um, no, that's fine, man. It's your story. In, I'm just asking in, questions. In January man. of 2016. I'm in the middle of climbing 
right? And I'm in the middle of becoming this artist. My older brother, six months after losing our father, yeah. uh, to to freak like surgery fail. <sighs> Sorry about that. My older brother took his own life. I wasn't the only one that saw my dad the way I saw my dad. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the only one that confided in him for everything in life. You know, he was my. He, my dad was basically my agent without being my agent. He didn't do groundwork, but he gave me every bit of confidence that I needed to be, you know, moving forward with the music industry. And when he left and he was gone, I never let him leave. You know, I, I in my brain, still talk to my father. I, you know, didn't go through much of a grieving process because all these weird little things kept happening that kept showing me that my father was still here with me. Um. So I knew that. And, and and on the day of my brother's death, I dreamt of my father for the first time. Um, and I I had not before that seen my dad in, in my brain beyond the hospital. And I, I would have those post-traumatic stress like flash wake ups of my father sitting in the ICU, um, just all, you know, tubed up and brain dead, you know, and. I did 12, 13 days of that where I sat at his side and, and you know, sang to him and talked to him and, and prayed that his his soul would come back to the brain, and it never did. I used to see flashes of my father, and uh, the the day that Mike died was the last time that that happened. And I basically got home from work. I would worked, I think, 72 hours straight. I got home from work, and I had two hours of sleep. And I was getting up and I was getting in a car and I was driving to Sacramento to go play a show in Sacramento. So I laid down and I got in bed and and I woke up like freaking out because I was having a dream and my father was in a panic. My dad was there and he was with me and he was really close to me, like up in my face. And he's crying, like bawling. And he says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to be with you. And he just kept saying it like aggressively, right? And I, boom, wake up and I'm like, what is wrong? What happened? Yeah. And nothing had happened. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. So I, I'm confused. I, I called my mother. Mom's like, yeah, everything's cool. Uh, Mike had a fight with Kelly or something, you know. And I'm like, ah, so Mike, Mike's good, man. You know, Mike's good. Mike wasn't good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wasn't good. And, and whatever happened that day that, that brought that spiral to completely come around full circle and give him that idea uh, that he could put a pistol in his mouth and I was going to make life better for everyone else around him, um, happened. And he did it. And he put a pistol in his mouth and he didn't make life better for anyone. (laughs) He didn't make life better for anyone. He wrecked a lot of lives. And and it took us a long time to piece this back together. And we are not pieced back together yet. And people need to understand that my family is not pieced back together yet. I have twins that live in different houses because they don't talk to each other. This is not okay what happened. Well, what thanks I'm for sharing that. Success, Thank you. Yeah, what I'm doing in my success, it, don't give my brother a high five for that. You know, don't give him that because I would fucking fail over and over and over again to not do that. You know, mm. I would rather sit in a fucking couch and watch TV all day and never do anything that I'm doing right now if I could sit down with him and we could laugh and joke and be us again. But yeah. he's gone. And that that's that's not fixable. So that's why I'm doing what I do. <laughs> you know, that's that's why I am who I am. You know, many times, John, thank you. know, thank you for sharing that. But, you know, many times when when 
there's there's this catalyst and this of course this is a major tragedy and sometimes it takes a major tragedy especially with a guy like you that's so creative to create a mission that's going to help change and transform the way shit like that goes down and you know at least you're candid enough to say that that shit's not all right you know, so if you're it's out there not. contemplating that now, you know more about the subject than I do. But but I've been in that dark abyss myself. And and, you know, thank you for pointing that out, because you, you don't think it's probably one of the most selfish things you can ever do. And people say, well, you can't judge the person that does it. Well, but if they're actually that's thi- the most bullshit thing is that the person it's, it that is says bullshit. That never had someone do it to them. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> I get it. The you know, person that says that has never had someone do it to him. And if period. they were, if that person was thinking about it and thinking about something beyond just the immediate emotional bullshit they're going through, which you know we can get yeah. through anything. Yeah, you it, know, it's all tackleable. It's yeah. a, exactly, man. And so you know, at least you're candid enough to be to to, to tell how it is. That's how you feel. You're not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah, that shit destroys lives. You know, you take take your life. You know, that's that that's a big decision to, to make. Life is worth living, no matter how bad it can get. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I'm sorry it, about that. You know, but I wish you know I wish he could have the like right at that moment when he made the decision. I wish he could have a a candid snapshot of what life is. I, just a, an audio clip of his nine-year-old son mm-hmm. saying for the last three and a half years now, I wish I was dead so I could be with my daddy. And just take a candid freaking voice clip of that and play that in his head right before you squeeze that trigger. That's because serious collateral damage right there, man. I don't think he would have squeezed the trigger. I, you know, I don't think he would have. I know my brother, man. He was a good dude. Yeah, like, he's a good dude. He had his faults. We all have our faults. He was a cop for 20 years. He was a jaded person because of that job, because people don't respect that job and they treat them like trash, you know? And they're out putting their life on the line every day. Which really is upsetting when you see some of the divisiveness that goes on and this whole bunch of bullshit against people that wear the blue. You know, it's just. Yeah, it's no, just. It's it, trash. Dude. It's. It, 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 it's very disheartening. I mean, which is a light word. I could use some heavier words, but it's just bullshit. You know, these people that put their lives on the line every day and because of politics, they want to they want to they want to prime the pump. So yeah. so you got this catalyst. I mean, a huge, huge ass catalyst, you know. And Yeah. And, and we talked about it. Superman Falls did good things. Right. Like We it was an idea, man. It was an idea. I, I wrote the song. I did the song right after he died. It probably actually i think i wrote it six months after he died i'd written an entire album which was a whole new project that i never stepped on because i wasn't motivated enough you know but i wrote superman falls and i knew when i wrote it i said i did something special here i woke up in the middle of the night with the lyrics it wasn't like one of those sit down with a guitar and try to figure out what i'm saying i woke up singing it and went to my kitchen and and wrote the song do you have a you guitar know? in your studio now are you sitting next to a guitar uh, any other room, but <laughs> I was going to say, play a stanza, man. <laughs> I, 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 was, I, it's I all think good. there's dogs out there. It's crazy out there in the other room. <laughs> no, I get it. So <laughs> I think my girlfriend's Pelotoning right now. Like, so yeah, oh, I get it. No, it's good. So next time. <laughs> so, so that one hits the charts and you're right. I've never met anybody till you, I, I've never even probably met a real rock star until I met you. So yeah, and I, I don't call myself a rock star. Yeah, but you are, a, man. You're a an star. Adventurer, right? like, you, I, yeah, I'm but, someone who believes in things and I go after things. But you have you know? passion, though, brother. And that, that you yeah. know, there's so much. People, 
dream about passion and guys like you who exude it are such great examples. We may not think about it. You're sitting there telling me you're listening to your bio. And when you sit back, John, and you look at that, then you look at yourself in the mirror, man, be proud of that stuff. I know you are, but that's yeah. what drives you. And that kind of drive is what drives and inspires millions of people globally. It does, man. Yeah. It does. So, so that, so that, you know, that happens. I know that you, uh, your family's still in recovery mode. Uh, it's going to probably never going to heal completely. It's a big missing part of your life. You know, songs yeah. can kind of yeah. fill a creative Song void, well. but I, I, I executive produced an album that had Ryan on there. It had Scott on there. It, you know, these guys that are also veterans doing great things, Ryan Weaver, Scooter Brown band, uh, Adam Martin. Yeah. It, Love like, those guys. Blackbird man. Anthem. Yep. These guys are, you know, all doing awesome things in our community right now. And, and we got them all on one album, right? Killer and, project, man. That, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and I literally. did something that I had learned to do that I didn't really know I could do. I ran the press on it, right? Like, I had been doing that for, my, for myself forever. Anybody that, that, that thinks that entrepreneurship is complicated or like there's this whole puzzle to it, do what you think is right. Like, first of all, don't listen to, don't go out and listen to everybody talk and think that, like, Oh, this must be the way to do it. Oh, this must be the way to do it. Well, Gary Vee said this, you know, do your thing. Like, trust me, do your thing and don't listen to anyone else that tells you your thing is wrong. I'm so um, glad, man, that you pointed that out because you you will go down so many dead ends listening to everybody else about how your dream's supposed to come to reality. Oh yeah, you got to you got to do what feels good, man. And yeah. and for me, it was public press, right? Everybody told me I need to be playing shows. Everybody told me I need to get my band together. Everybody told me that I need to do this, I need to do that. My my thing was put together very clean, well done. Dave Neese is phenomenal, and he's on this film project as well that we're doing. But Dave put together all my behind-the-scenes thing, things. Uh, Faculty of Media did every video that I did, and we put together these huge like it, productions, right? These are movies you're watching. This isn't like a music video. You know, These are movies you're watching. And we put all those out. And then I attacked the public press. I went after uh, People Magazine. I went after uh, every TV uh, news in the state, you know, every TV news in the state of Ohio, where I'm from, you know, or Kentucky, but Ohio is basically Cincinnati is where I'm at. But, and I got all these people to get on board with us and, and put us public, right? And that was my route. Scooter Brown Band, Scott played 260 shows a year for 10 years. That was his route, right? Everybody has a different route. But in this case where it was time to, to promote an album, I knocked it out of the park, you know, because I had it there and I had more motivation than I ever had in my life. I wanted the world to know what happened to my brother. You know? Well, so, and, you, and, you, and you've let the world know, and that's why it moved up the charts because it freaking resonated, you know? Yeah, and, and, and that was it. And... and I, since then, we released Before I'm Gone. We, we actually released Superman Falls as a single, which went higher than Before I'm Gone on the charts. Uh, it went higher on the DRT. It you know, I charted on iTunes. Like, it was the first time I'd ever charted a single, I think. Um, or maybe Before I'm Gone was. I, I don't remember. But um, <laughs> it's funny. Like, I, I try to reflect. I have no idea. But it just it, goes, uh, man. It just because the time goes, man, and you're busy. You know, you can't remember all of it. But you know, but your formula is working. So, 
Yeah, I mean, and now uh, you were saying you were going twenty-two and you. Are we there yeah. yet? Twenty-two and you. I know it, that. Uh, I, we, yeah, we're we're there. I I, I got a little sidetracked. No, um, no, no. I'm glad. I, I wanted to finish yeah. what had happened with Superman Falls and basically, you know, the impact that that made. Right, because this mm. was. I was working before for a friend, you know, and trying to help them. And then uh, my unit ended up plagued with suicide. So we were like the top in the world. The New York Times released that, that we were the highest rated unit for suicides in the Marine Corps. And then... Why do you think that? Why do you think? Weird times. Yeah, they had a rough time in Afghanistan, that deployment right after mine. Um, we actually took a pretty good amount of casualties in Iraq, too. I, I think it was just a time in combat and bad transition. Yeah. Right. We talked about the bad transition. Um, so this group of Marines that was during my time period are all killing off. And, and, and I think it had to do with that, you know, bad transition, bad time. And then who knows, because I couldn't tell you a real reason why my brother killed himself either. So all of these but, things that are happening have led you to this current project, which is going to be huge, by the way. Twenty two. Yeah. Years. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, I've been on CNN. Um, I've been, you know, uh, on TV probably in the last, I've played less shows than I've done TV appearances in the last five years. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. I've been on TV so many times. And what's cool is I'm not I like you watch the Today Show and you see like, oh, Gavin DeGraw is releasing a new album. And then Gavin DeGraw goes on the Today Show and Gavin DeGraw plays a song and then he talks for seven seconds and then they cut the commercial and you don't talk to gavin DeGraw. yeah don't do you that. don't you don't know who he is exactly yeah exactly we go on television and we sit down and we talk about our agenda and we talk about what we want to change and we get to publicly speak about what's happening and i don't even bring a guitar with me most of the time because i you can hear my music go to itunes <laughs> you know it's there yeah, you can hear that. But well, your mission what too, we have John. To speak you, about when yeah. I have that stage, I want the world to know. Yeah, if, if I'm going huge. on television, I'm going mainstream, dude. We're talking about the issue, you know. Yeah, and you've done it, and and you know, you said the inspiration for this music is, you know, it's it's post traumatic stress. It's the things that lead people. Yeah. to do things so, like that, and and it is. It's a freaking agenda worth playing for so ultimately uh, i looked at i was i went and i did a silkies hike with irreverent warriors in cincinnati i sponsored the event i paid for the insurance for them to be able to hike in in my hometown and it inspired me and it inspired me in a way that i i don't think i felt in a while like it was not the group itself because there's things within that that are different than how i function right there's a lot of partying and having fun and drinking with it you know and like yeah i don't do that so i was kind of focused in on okay let's just get to the next place to hike you know and, and that was kind of how i went about it but when i got back i was like you know to actually put my feet on the ground to actually spend time with the veterans to actually talk to the people that are dealing with the problems instead of just publicly speaking was important mm-hmm. um and with all these public appearances i've done i never have physically I think been able to properly put the emotions out that I go through as a brother and we go through as a family to what actually happened. So I thought I, I, I had a fleeting thought. It, it was a moment of thought 
um, just a few months ago that was, what if I put a pack on and I hiked from where my life is right now in Palo Alto, right, as a firefighter, and I walk to where my life began, where my father went to boot camp in San Diego, um, and, and, and I do 22 miles a day with that 22 kilo ruck on my back. Um, and I thought to myself, that's going to take a long time. I had no idea how long it was going to take yet or anything. <laughs> I thought that's going to take a long time. That's going to hurt terribly. This is going to be the worst thing I've probably physically ever done in my life. So yeah, this, this seems like a good idea. And rather than sit on this and rather than worry about how I put something together like that, because I had no idea how to do anything like that, I started making phone calls. <laughs> First one I called was my girlfriend. I said, hey, this is my stupid idea. Will you support it? Can you get behind me? Will you believe in me when I do this? And she said yes, and I broke down. I broke down on the phone mm. like immediately, and I went, okay, this is real. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I, I never thought about this before, but this is it. I've never felt this more emotionally in tune with something since I released Superman Falls. So I just started working, man. I, I started doing what an entrepreneur does, right? And and pushing forward, calling people like you and and, and my friends. Um, I know River Rainbow that did the volunteers in, uh, you know, went to Syria and fought war and shot that whole thing and, and made this amazing film. And, and all these different people that are in film. And I, I called them and I said, hey, this is what I want to do. What do you think? And they said, okay, come sit down with me. <laughs> so I go and sit down with them and talk to them about how we're going to shoot and what we're going to do. And I'm starting to think to myself in a panic, oh, my God, I've got to film this. How do I do this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So then, and, and, then, but it's happening. I mean, it, you've, 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 it's already happening. Yeah. It's already happening no matter what. And I had decided on January 13th of this coming year, I was going to step from Palo Alto City Hall. And I was going to have the honor guard. And I was going to have a fire engine follow me through the city. And this was all happening no matter what. So I was already there. I'm already like, my brain's already three projects ahead of this one, right? Right. Um, so I'm going through all this stuff and, and, and I'm starting to build things. And, and I run across something that, that caught my eye and, and I see Julia Ling and I send Julia a message. Julia blew my mind because Julia called me back within an hour and she said, I have watched this video. I have seen that video. I have seen everything that you are doing. It is incredible. How do we work together? And I went, Okay, this is the person I want to be with. You know, this is who I want to do work with because we can bring each other up. So uh, Julia and Micah get together. I sign an agreement with, uh, with SRE Studios and uh, with Veteran Power Films. And we now uh, do a partnership together. And, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm making a film. <laughs> you know. And now Julia jumps on board and says, I will come with you. I'll not hike with you the whole time, though. Mm. We'll come out and hike at some point. But I'm going to direct the film. We're bringing a crew. This is what we're doing. Here is everything. Um, but we're going to keep your vision as you've imagined it. My vision was 22 and you. Obviously, I have friends in the industry. I'm going to have veteran celebrities there. It, we, I, I'm not going to announce any names yet. It, um they're in. 
No, you've, so, you've got so, an impressive advisory board. You know, the, you know, it's out there. That's why I wanted to get this interview, John, because we want to get the story out there in, in our little network and yeah, do whatever yeah. we can to, to push this through because the mission, the walk is one thing and 22 miles a day is a lot, but, yeah. but it's going to happen. You're going to make it happen. It is happening. And then the agenda that you spoke about, are you kidding me? How much? Yeah. It's, and, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, dude. Like, and we got people that have signed on board. Don't get mad, dog. But we got some people that are going to be coming with us that are crazy. And I just give you a total hint. Anyone that's listening, you should know who's going to hike with me. But it's insanity. Like, <laughs> well, you know, I'm there. You know, I'm down. Board. I'm down for 44 miles, anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, you know. and that's the thing. Like, we we got people that I can't imagine. People that are, you know, government officials saying, bro, I'm coming out and I'm going to do 22 miles with you, you know. And, and even the people that can't do 22 miles, right? Yeah. So what we're going to be doing is we are bringing people out that aren't veteran celebrities, that aren't government officials, that aren't, you know, mayors of cities, that, that, that are just people, people that need a stage, People that have dealt with this problem, that have gone through what I've gone through or worse, mm. have witnessed the suicides or whatever, and they're now moving forward with their life and they have their success. And that's where the end you comes in because every day we're bringing a new guest to my hike to talk with and tell their stories. And whether that makes the series and the film or that just comes out. We are having an editor that's coming with us, so we're going to be running social media content constantly. Um, either way, we're putting these stories out to the world, you know. And and over and over again, we're going to take and, and we're going to rattle the cage, and, and we're going to open this narrative up, you know. And for me, it's not. I, I, I and I, I've had some talks with some people. I talked to Rocco. Um, and there's this negative connotation around 22, right? And, and this this negative concept. And, and I'm changing that narrative. You know, 22 is what we don't want to be. And we can only attain that by truly going after whatever your life's passion is. And, and, and finding that and moving forward. And I'm putting myself on the line. I'm going out doing something that I'm physically not capable of doing from the moment I came up with the idea. Now I'm pretty close because I'm training multiple hours a day. I'm probably putting in between five and 10 miles a day and, and hiking right now. And then on certain days I'll go higher 15 to 20 miles right now. I'm four months away. I'm going to be in incredible shape by the time this starts. But when I started this idea, I was 25 pounds overweight. <laughs> I was sloppy and I probably could run two miles without gassing, maybe if I'm lucky, right? Oh, you'll be on the calendar, man, by the end of next yeah, year I'm for a sure. Right you know, now, yeah. Already. I'm getting there, you know. And well the mission is the mission, you know, is righteous all the way. Well, and yeah, and what's cool, people don't understand the behind the scenes it's happening just with my training, right? And I've been documenting some of it and, and doing it. I had the flu the other day. I still got up and hiked, you know, multiple times. Um, and just pushing through this part and grinding. And, and this is where 
my soul is growing and, and I'm stuck in it. I put a pair of headphones on, right? And I just go out and I got my Dre beats. You listening, Jimmy Iveen? I got my Dre beats and, and I'm, you know, out there in another world. And I'm hearing, I'm building my soundtrack to this, this album or to this, this, this movie already. Right. And it's just forward motion <laughs> and it's forward motion. And, I'm growing, man, and and I'm I'm meditating while I'm out. I'm talking to my father. I'm talking to my brother. I'm I'm talking to the universe, and and I'm creating ideas. And ideas keep popping into my head, and we keep moving forward with these ideas, and we keep getting more amazing things happening as we go forward. You know, absolutely. And you know that's what it is. It's therapeutic, and it's 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 passion therapy is what I'm calling it. You know, John Preston's passion therapy. And, and, and if you have a mission, you know, it's the bedrock. I mean, it's, you can't lose. So, you know, yeah. so, and there you go, you know, you, you're, you're turning things around and that's one reason why we're even doing this show is to, is to show the world, tell the world through the stories of guys like you, John, that you're not broken and that you can take things that are broken and you can fix them. And, you know, so, you know, what's the message that you would like to give to the civilian world about veterans and especially like combat veterans? What, 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 what do you want them to know? We're not broken, dude. <laughs> no, we're not. And we are the most incredible, interesting group. If you want to call us, I guess we're kind of like our own little minority group, right? Right. Like we're our own interesting group because we don't see color, we don't see any of that. We see us, right? And we see a family every time I look at one of us. It doesn't matter where we came from, what we did. We've all gone through the same struggle together. Yeah. And we're not broken, dude. Like we can do anything. <laughs> and this is more for us too. I want us to hear this. You can do anything, dude. Step it up, <laughs> you know. Uh, just find find your passion, find your love, and go for it. You know. Yeah, I'm glad and and you for the people that. watching, pay attention because we're going to the top of the world. You know. Yeah, you know something that you said, and you're so right, John. You know, we don't play politics. We don't see color. What, what we see is a collective group or collective mission, and we find a way to get it done. And and you're doing it, man. You're like living proof. And. You're going to set the stage at a much higher level than the average Joe on the street. And, and there's nothing wrong with being an average Joe, but, but, but shoot for the stars and you're going to get there. Um, so, you know, let's just say I'm a Marine, I'm going through transition or whatever branch, and, and I'm in that dark place and, and I'm not feeling really good emotionally. You know, what kind of advice would John Preston give him or her? Uh, put down whatever substance it is. Stop. Um, whether it's drugs or alcohol or both, yeah, quit. I've, I've even gone as far as I quit nicotine too, but quit it all and, and figure out who you really are. You got to get in your own brain first. Right. And, and that's when the, the, the feelings and the emotions and the thoughts and the cool things, the positive, you know, you have to think positive. You got to read positive. You got to uh, walk into your day. And not see something on television that that makes you mad, and then you just walk through the rest of the day grumping because you know CNN attacked Trump or Fox defended Trump, whatever it is right now. That's so simple to talk about in our current <laughs> state as a country. Kinda it's just crazy. this ignorance of uh, either attack or defend. You know, um, get away from that and remember where you came from. You know, remember who you are. 
and, and and what you've already done for this country and what you've already done, you know, moving forward and know now that you can accomplish any other mission that you put in front of you. You just have to take the steps forward. And, and as what I'm saying as we go forward with this hike is, you know, if you need to, I'll carry the weight, you know, just keep walking with me and, and, and that's it. You know, just keep walking. Awesome advice. Uh, you know, what do you want people to know? Um, what do, where do you see yourself in five years? And what would you like people to say about you, John? I, I want to live for a thousand years, if that makes sense. Um, the, the Egyptians talk about um, as long as your name is said, right? And you, you had someone like Ramsey that actually during his rule took down every other name of every other pharaoh. It was just this terrible, like, disrespectful thing. And he just plastered his name all over everything, right? But I'm saying Ramsey's name today, <laughs> you know? Um, I think, and, and to them, if, if your name was said, your soul survives. So I believe that I can leave an impact that will last a thousand years and I have to do everything uh, possible within that circle to know where I'm at right now in that possibility and where I need to go. And that's, that's my goal, you know, five, 10 years from now uh, to be the household name, you know, to be the household name and not the household name for, you know, something ridiculous, but the household name for for someone that, that that's doing everything that he can to to attempt to help and change and, and build strength and positivity and growth in a community. Pretty cool. So, you know, how can people find out? How can they contact you, John? And, and then how can they find out more information where they can help uh, with the 22 and you project? Yeah, what's cool about this is we're dropping this so early. <laughs> Yeah, it's good, <laughs> but man. Right now, if you go to twenty two u twenty two and u dot net, there is a landing page. The landing page does go to donations. All those donations are tax deductible. So um, even if you wanted, like for instance, to donate equipment, it's all tax deductible. You go to twenty two and u dot net two two and u dot net that's available there and otherwise it, we're going to be loud announcing it in i think three weeks like around october i'm going to shoot a video right now this weekend or this four day or whatever i'm going to shoot a, v- a video in toronto i'm going to shoot some film while i'm there to go ahead and put into our first release that we're going to do you know i don't like to put out facebook lives and stuff like that i like to put out really well-made videos right. so that's what we're working on that'll come out probably the second week of october and we're going to make a press announcement and we're going to come out and we're going to, you know, make a big deal out of it. But right now, by then, the website will be finished. The social media will be ready. And and all of that will be uh, 22 and you doc, I believe, is what we chose for our, our uh, social media. But none of that right now is anything but, you know, private pages for the moment. Copy that. So, you know, we've been having a great conversation with John Preston. Recording artist, uh, top of the chart artist type of guy and uh, a guy that's got great passion, a guy with vision, a guy that wants to seriously turn and transform the world. And, you know, we, we know he's going to be living for a thousand years. We feel it. We we pray for it. And uh, just want to say, John, is there a um, a personal mantra, maybe your own saying or a saying that 
that freaking resonates with you and your heart uh, that you live by? I don't know. <laughs> like for the community, I always say, you know, life is not better without you. It, we know that that's truth. I think for me, I kind of always feel like I, I got this shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got, yeah. I, that's that's probably like the real me. I, 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 I've had calls where it's, you know, my whole team working on this and and we're worried about this or that. And I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. I got this shit. You know, like, because I, I know if I can't do it, I can think it and it'll happen. You know, they're some of the most amazing guests that we have coming out to be with us, which God, I can't wait to announce. I thought into reality, like, and, and people don't understand that, and they don't know how that works. But read, you know, Think and Grow Rich. Read The Secret. You know, read these books about these monumental people: Einstein, Tesla, uh, Henry Ford, uh, all these people. Read about them and understand that that was all their philosophies. These are the greatest people in history. These are the thousand-year-old people, right? They will be. But they thought their existence into reality. Tesla said he could close his eyes and he could see his inventions and he could move them around and change them in his own, like, and it wasn't, he didn't call it, like, in his thoughts, he called it through a sixth sense, right? So you can think amazing things and amazing things can happen. So uh, that's how I always feel, man. I got this shit. I'll figure it out. (laughs) And we know you you do, man. So anyhow, I appreciate your time today. And uh, I know we're going to be seeing and talking to you a a bunch more in the future here. You know, we're working on on our end. You know, you mentioned gear and equipment. So we're working on our end to help secure you some of that for this uh, adventure of yours. And uh, just very humbled and honored to uh, to have met you and, you know, to steal 45 minutes an hour of your time. And uh, just want to wish you great success. And uh, Thanks for being here, John, and for sharing your story and, uh, and uh, you know, a relevant conversation without divisiveness and without hatred and vitriol, you know, something that's positive for a change. For sure, man. And, and I, I didn't mention, and I need to mention this, because they're so awesome. I, I'm going to shoot this video in Toronto, and, and what people don't understand, again, things aren't free. <laughs> yeah. I, I adaptive that and project unbreakable stepped up and and they've bought into this video and vision that i have with this video which is going to be wacky i can't uh, it's a whole nother podcast but <laughs> <laughs> we'll go and i got and this shit pts versus addiction it's a really crazy concept and it's going to be very uh like wacky you know but um but adaptive that and and project unbreakable stepped in to be part of this, and I just wanted to, you know, give out a, a shout out to them. Go to the, go to their pro, their their websites and check it out. They're both doing incredible things for the veteran community right now, uh, as well as being a huge supporter of what I do, which makes me be able to do more of what I do. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out because I think we actually met in an adaptive vet event. The barbecue was adaptive yeah. vet, and you know, <laughs> yeah, they are doing great things and. Uh, yeah, Mike out there and his whole crew, they, they're they incredible people. Great organization. Yeah, so. every time I call him, he's on the road to another place with a new trailer that they're that they're giving to a homeless vet. You know, they, they're they incredible, dude. Like, everything that they're doing and, and what people don't understand, just like me, they've gone out of pocket on a lot of this stuff. 
from their own money and their own life. I think know? I'm in that same club, man. I get it. So, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the summits look beautiful, but there's a lot of valleys and a lot of ridge lines that you have to walk through or go through to get there. So it's uh, that's reality, man. Thanks for that. Yeah, for sure, brother. Um, I appreciate you having me on as always. Um, can't wait to keep business rocking and uh, get this hike done, man. I can't wait to see you out here. I know, in a man. Few it's going to be killer. You know, and now you got me motivated, man. I'm getting old. My knees are like hurting, but I, I'll, I'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll make it happen. So thanks, John. I appreciate well, it, you. Just know every day I'm doing five to 10, right? <laughs> and that's with a 50 pound pack on my back. So. Uh, catch up. Come on. I know. I know you wake up at like 5 a.m. and start PT and don't lie to me. You know I do. But, but uh, yeah. love you, man. Thanks, John. And uh, keep going, man. If you need anything on our end or on your end, let us know. And we're here to support you 110 percent. Anything that you do, you know that. Yeah, brother. Let's just keep moving and shaking. And and, and we got an opportunity to bring you know real change to the world. We can do it together. Dream.